<laughs> you don't. Do you think my son would be that stupid that he would bring my diary all the way back here? <laughs> you didn't, did you? You didn't bring it, did you? Well, uh, you did. Look, can we discuss this later? I should have mailed it to the Marx brothers. Well, you take it easy. Take it easy? Why do you think I sent it home in the first place so it wouldn't fall into their hands? I came here to save you. Oh, yeah? And who's going to come to save you, Junior? I told you. Don't call me Junior. pick a good movie. Well, I didn't pick this one. You did, so. I know. I'm trying to teach you things. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. I am Sam. And I'm Will. And uh, we are here today. Oh, like, I definitely came in kind of hot with The Dark Knight Rises. I think I was in a mood, world events, or what have you. It was not, I was not the receptive audience for that movie at that particular moment. That's why this one was just a, this was a breeze. This was a, as you said, Will, this was like a warm hug. Uh, yeah. We watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm. Uh, uh, so, so nice. Just sort of, it's like seeing old friends again. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's just an absolute joy to watch. And I think that's not just nostalgia talking. I think this is just like a, a really, really well-made blockbuster. You watch this yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. shit. This is just everyone involved at the top of their game, pretty much. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and it's, uh, you know, unlike a lot of the part threes that we've done, particularly the blockbusters, like this one, everyone feels like they are not, no one's phoning it in. Everyone no. is like, they're they're working hard. They're like, they're going for it. There's a commitment to the bit. It's just like they're very, everyone's there. No one's tired. Everyone's just ready to rock. And and that's, I think part of that is this was the last one they made, at least for a long time. But they, it's a pretty spaced out franchise, certainly by franchise standards. You've got Raiders <laughs> in 81, Temple of Doom in 84, and then this one's five years later. This is 89. Yeah, and well, and also it sort of helps that they don't, there's no real continuity that they're beholden to. Like, no. with, Te with Temple of Doom being a prequel of sorts, and, you know, it's like these are really meant to feel like the the serials of old, where it's just like this is one mini-adventure in the life of Indiana Jones, and it doesn't, it connects sort of to the others in ways, but nothing like concrete and no one cares. No. And, and there's nothing about Temple of Doom that makes it a prequel besides that year at the beginning of right, the movie. Right, exactly. That yeah. I think Spielberg said he made it a prequel because he specifically didn't want to deal with the Nazis or address like why, you know, characters from the first one don't come back like Marion or Sala. And right. which is, you know, showing a level of like filling in the blanks or ex wanting to explain yourself that is just the only thing that happens with sequels now. Like that's yeah. just when JK Rowling isn't tweeting about how she's scared of trans people. She's tweeting like filling in plot holes and like bad faith plot holes in Harry Potter now. And that's like, I feel like no one when temple of doom and probably when last crusade came out, I'm sure there were fans that asked these questions, but right. that wasn't like the world building and franchise building and an expanded universe were decades away right. from being a thing. 
Right. No, there was no, there's no aspect of it that's just, we're going to do franchise management and we're going to, I mean, there is, I guess, there's the prologue, which is sort of the dry run for the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but that's really about it. That's the story of how Indiana Jones had all the defining aspects of his uh, persona in, happen in a, a, about 20 minutes uh, one afternoon in 1912. For those of you that aren't familiar with Indiana Jones, uh, all four of you. <laughs> I mean, if you've never seen the movies, if you haven't, like everyone knows who Indiana Jones through is through cultural osmosis. He is the most iconic film character. Uh, like, we, we, I'd I'd say there's maybe what two or three more famous film characters than than Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'd probably say like. Godzilla and James Bond, I think, are yeah. the only other two. <laughs> Pro- probably, and at least one of those isn't original to film, if nothing else. Right, yeah. You know, so Raiders of the Lost Ark is the first movie, and it was a collaboration between Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, who were both, in 1982, coming off of, in both their cases, like, some of the biggest successes of their career. Like, Spielberg had done, leading up to 1981, he had done... You know, the, he'd done Duel and Sugarland Express, and then he'd done Jaws, which might still be his best movie, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> he'd done, and that's not a knock on his other movies. He'd done Jaws, he'd done Close Encounters. He'd had like a bit of a whiff with 1941, and he came into Raiders, and it's, it's, uh, he and Lucas came up with this idea to sort of do the action equivalent to Star Wars. Like, Star Wars did, was the, modernized version of Buck Rogers uh, sci-fi serials of the early 20th century. This was going to be the adventure version of that. The sort of classic treasure hunter in a fedora and a leather jacket. You know, they they sort of a throwback to older movie stars like John Wayne or Steve McQueen. And they couldn't have cast it better. It's nope. It is flawlessly paced. The action is fantastic. The music is iconic. It's it's it was a huge hit. It was nominated for best picture, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is pretty close to a perfect movie. Uh, I, I don't. I, I mean, there's there's. I don't know what more there is to say about Raiders except how awesome it is. <laughs> there is there is nothing to say about Raiders. It's it's a fantastic movie. I love it. It's one that I can watch over and over and over again and enjoy. And and that's not like a hot take by any means. It's a no. iconic <laughs> beloved film that you yeah. and I both grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think I first saw it. I think I had it taped off of the UPN 38 movie loft, <laughs> uh, which was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I wore that VHS down to a pulp pretty much watching it over and over again. <laughs> and so he does Raiders. He keeps going. He does E.T. in 82, Spielberg. Uh, he does uh, his segment of the Twilight Zone movie. The less said about most that, of the Twilight the Zone movie, the better. <laughs> uh, except for George Miller's segment. Everything else is kind of either schmaltzy and weird or horribly tainted by the stories <laughs> behind it. Uh, Joe Dante segment is pretty cool. Yeah, Joe Dante. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, the, the Billy Moomy into the cornfield, but done like yeah. with monster rabbit puppets. All right, Joe Dante and George Miller's halves, good. <laughs> Spielberg and Landis's halves, bad. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and so after uh, that, he does uh, Indiana Jones sequel. He does uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I think this is important that people forget. The first movie is just Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
The second movie is Indiana Jones Indiana and Jones. the Temple of the uh, Temple of the Doom. <laughs> Because I think they realized right out of the gate, oh, we happen to create an iconic character. Like, you know, in in the vein of James Bond. And James Bond by the mid-80s had the benefit of probably, I don't know, 10, 15 movies already. Indiana Jones became as iconic with one movie. And Temple of Doom, I, I don't remember if it was a big hit or not. It was certainly a hit, but it was definitely, it's always been like the oddball one. In the, in the franchise. Yeah, I, I mean, we could look it up, I guess. But it, it, I mean, it must have been a big enough hit that, but it's, uh, but everyone was sort of, it was, it has a much darker tone. It's, uh, it feels a lot more serious and a lot more dour and it's a little more depressing. It's a lot more violent and it, it, it is one of the movies credited as creating the PG-13 rating. Um, it's, uh, so it's just, um, yeah, there's a lot kind of, it's got the Scream 3 thing of a, it has much darker subject matter, but its attempts at comedy don't work as well. Are much broader, yeah. It's definitely the, if you have to point to Indiana Jones as like the white savior trope, that's the movie you can that's point one. to more than any of them. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, it has some really cool stuff in it. The last 45 minutes of that movie are just nonstop action from... Yeah the fight on the conveyor belt to the minecart chase to the bridge sequence when it's good it's great and when it's not good it's pretty bad yeah <laughs> yeah you got to get through a lot of like guys in bronzer eating monkey brains to get to yeah. uh, the action to get to the that. good stuff yeah uh, it's the one i've seen the least of the 3 um, cuz i i didn't i guess i saw cuz last crusade was the first one i saw and then I saw Raiders a lot because it was on TV all the time. And then I didn't see Temple of Doom until, like, high school. Yeah, I, I think that might be the case with me, too. Because it was always, like, the scary one. You know, yeah. it's got the, yeah. it's got the, they eat, they eat snakes and they rip out they a guy's heart. a guy's heart, heart. yeah. Yeah. And, and it is the darkest one, but, I mean, there's, people get their heads melted in all these movies, so... <laughs> True. But I definitely saw Temple way later, um, and uh, Last Crusade I've seen way more. And Last Crusade comes out about five years later in 1989. It's also the first one that came out in my lifetime. Yeah. And I definitely remember it, like, vaguely it coming out. Like, it came yeah. out, you know, the summer of 89. My mom was pregnant with my sister. You know, so it was like, that was like the first time I think I became aware of Indiana Jones. Yeah, and I remember. I mean, I was like four or five when that came when it came out. But I do remember going to the movie theater with my parents and seeing the poster, mm. um, or like a standee or something like that. I do remember that. And then I remember going to the video store and seeing the poster for that when it came out, which is when I saw it when it hit video. And then, like, it's definitely coming to the end of Spielberg being interested in making that kind of movie, because leading up to Last Crusade, he did. The Color Purple, and Empire of the Sun, and Always, he was doing more dramas. He was doing more yeah. prestige movies. And after this, you got Hook, you got Jurassic Park, and then he does and Schindler's, Schindler's List, List, and he's not interested yeah. in making blockbusters anymore. He keeps making them, <laughs> but he's not interested in them anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, that his aught, you know, the blockbusters that he made in the in the early aughts, I mean, which I guess the, the, the science fiction 
trilogy, so to speak, that he made of AI, Minority Report, and War of the Worlds. Those True. are movies he actually, I think, like really did want to make. Yeah, he feels like he's invested in them. AI, AI is an interesting movie because it's it's he's picking up where another filmmaker left off. I think Minority Report is great. Uh, War of the Worlds is another one where it's got some good moments and it's got some really boring stuff in it. But they're also way less fun movies. I don't well, go. Right. Yeah, I, they're 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 the <laughs> they're they're the Janusz Kaminski era where everything is blue, gray, and 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 uh, lens flary. You know, it's and very depressing too. They're not yeah. as like fun. It's like he's like grappling with like his mortality and his like ability to be a father. And like, yeah, it's... he he's no longer like a, a son reflecting on his father. He's a father reflecting on his own fatherhood. It's yeah. you know he grew up. Guess what? Filmmakers evolve, and uh, you know he was making. He's made a lot of great movies in there too. I I can watch Catch Me If You Can anytime. That's a fantastic yeah. movie. But you know he definitely. And here, here's the thing. You can't just keep trying to recapture the success of your 80s heyday, which people have been trying to do nonstop now for almost 20 years, is trying to re-bottle re the lightning that was like blockbusters from 82 or 84 or 89. And, yep. and you, yeah. you can't do it. And that's what makes these movies so special is because they're, they're the real thing. It's the difference between holding like a replica of of a painting and holding the real thing you know it's yeah. it's and and last crusade it's it's just it feels i won't say it feels dated but it it's so nice to watch in a way that movies today aren't just visually because it's yeah. like it's it's everyone's got their feet on the ground and it's real and you don't have to suspend your disbelief too much. There's weight and texture to everything. And 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 you can see everything. Like it, you know, so much of like movies nowadays just feel like sort of gray like mush and like watching this movie now, it just it's everything sort of bright and colorful and like there's no moments where you're like, what am I looking at? No, and I, I honestly think for all of his fame as a blockbuster filmmaker, Spielberg doesn't get credit for how meticulously he crafts action sequences. Oh, and the yeah. Indiana Jones movies are like the high watermark of that. The the There's two or three chase sequences in this movie, and I think the, the big one is the tank fight, the tank chase. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I think he boarded that out and, like, knew every shot and every beat of that sequence from beginning to end before they ever rolled camera. And it yeah. shows. He's, it shows, yeah. Yeah, like, he's definitely a perfectionist. He doesn't have that reputation of being, like, uh, a Kubrick or James Cameron, like, do 40 takes perfectionist. But he's, you're, you're never going to see a sloppy sequence from Steven Spielberg. No, never. And even in, in the movies where he, you know, kind of is phoning it in, there's always it always seems like he, he cares enough to make it look oh, really yeah. good. It's it's know? the ones that where he's it's missing that spark, I think it's just because he he's technically gifted, but he's not as invested in the project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that you know, I think you can look at um uh kingdom of the crystal skull the last you know indiana jones movie to that i think there are some great sequences in it but it's clear like his heart's just not in in making another one of those no you know? I, and i think we'll talk about this probably when we get to jurassic park 3 
like the difference between Jurassic Park and the Lost World. Like apparently yeah. when he was making the Lost World, some of the time some of the time he was literally phoning in direction from the set of Amistad. in the 90s he was definitely transitioning to becoming a different kind of filmmaker but maybe not fully ready to let go of the kind of movies he made in the 70s and 80s this is kind of the last of that era of the like peak spielberg the iconic spielberg movies the last like right before jurassic park also before computer effects took over that kind of filmmaking for him right yeah, well, and I, I think he, it's very clear that he gets, like, he loves crafting set pieces. Like, that's, like, something he just, like, it makes him really excited and, like, is something that is fun to do. So I think there is a part of him where he just doesn't sort of, he, like like you say, he didn't want to let go of that. And he's like, I love making these, like, you know, these set pieces. So even in, like, if the story and the emotional aspect of a, of a movie it doesn't kind of get his motor running the you know meticulously crafting the set pieces did or enough to make the movie anyway absolutely like i think there's always some aspect of a movie that clearly gets him excited otherwise he wouldn't bother making it he's had plenty of movies in development over the years that didn't come to fruition and you know he basically can make whatever he wants you know yeah so it's like i'm never gonna no one he's not he's never gonna be a work for hire director no he's one of those directors that was fortunate enough to hit the ground running so quickly at the beginning of his career that and and have success on a project no one believed in in jaws uh that he's basically been able to write his own ticket ever since yeah absolutely and i think when he feels like he has something to prove it's something to prove as a creative director not just as like a moneymaker. I mean, and that's what Raiders feels like. I mean, that that feels like that is done by a director who is just like I think Drew McWeeny has written about this a lot about Raiders that it's it's just by a director who's just hungry to like prove himself and like just that movie is just a, like a muscle car in the way that it's built and constructed. Oh yeah, it's you know? it's so good. I mean, it's it, it's. And, and he created a character, and I think you can, it's out there, the transcript of him and Lucas hanging out, I think they're hanging out at some hotel uh, uh, on the yeah. west side of L.A., talking about and first brainstorming the character of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Everything yeah. Went, that needed to go right for that character to work happened. There's another universe, some Loki variant universe, where Tom Selleck is Indiana Jones. Yep. And it yep. wouldn't and then- have worked. And it was probably only Raiders of the Lost Ark. They probably didn't. They probably didn't make sequels in that universe. Not that Tom Selleck wouldn't have been good in the part or anything, but it just wouldn't have been the the lightning in the bottle that is Raiders would not have been there. Yeah, and well, I, I hate describing Indiana Jones this way, but there's a bit of an edginess to him, and there's a bit of a yeah. dark side to him, and I think Harrison Ford brings that. You definitely see that in Temple of Doom. You see that a yeah. bit in Last Crusade, even, and I'd say Last Crusade is, of the original three movies, the broadest of them, in terms of comedy and it's, uh, and, like, the way they, pr- he's, this is the closest Indiana Jones gets to being played by Chris Pratt of any of the original <laughs> movies. Yeah, a lot of I fall- think that- He falls down a lot, you know, <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's that's true. And I think overall, it just feels like it is 
raiders, but with the edges kind of sanded down and made sort of more family friendly and family friendly is wrong because it makes that makes it sound like it's kind of a robocop 3 thing no, which it's it, not but it, it just it just feels like all the stuff that like the jagged parts and the darker parts of raiders and, and indiana jones specifically is kind of gone in you know in this we um, we talked about this with uh dark knight rises how it feels more like a sequel to batman begins than it does the dark yeah. knight and i'd say this feels more like a sequel to Raiders than it does to Temple of Doom. I think that's part of the reason a lot of people see Temple of Doom last, because if you like Raiders, this is the one that's going to give you more more of that. that. You know, you like him shooting Nazis. You like him, you know, out in the desert. Do you like Sala? Do you like Marcus Brody? (laughs) You know, this is all of that is back. You know, it's pretty much the same, like, kind of structure as Raiders, too. Yeah. And... Yeah, aside from that prologue, which uh, is uh, which is a weird choice, I think, in like because it's it it's like a double prologue because it like it's the you see young Indiana Jones and he gets his whip and hat and scar and and fear of snakes and then and then you see older Indiana Jones on an adventure with the same thing that he was dealing with as a kid. It's so, it's such an odd choice. (laughs) It's like an opening to the movie. I mean, I guess it's to show that like, yeah. yeah. All right. So the big runner of Indiana Jones and the last crusade is the relationship between Indy and his father played by Sean Connery, which you you couldn't have cast that more, like more brilliantly. His dad is James Bond. But they, as when we first see them in the movie in their present day, I think it's 1938, give or take, in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. they haven't talked in 20 years. And they're estranged. His dad is a medieval literature professor, and he was, you know, into grail lore. And clearly growing up, he traveled all over the place researching stuff. And he, it led to sort of a... And his, their, his Indiana Jones' mother died at some point. It led to a wedge between them. And Indiana Jones, one day in Utah in 1912, grabbed the cross of Coronado because it belongs in a museum and ran afoul of a man credited in the the credits as Fedora, (laughs) who was basically Indiana Jones, who kind of like sees us, sees something in this kid and, you know, says like, you lost today, kid, but it doesn't mean you have to like it and gives him his hat. And that same day, Indiana Jones learned how to use a bullwhip and he learned he hates snakes and he got <laughs> gets a scar on his chin. And it's silly on one level, but at the same time, I think it's trying to do a shorthand of Indiana Jones, because he didn't have that connection with his dad, became kind of a different person and headed in a different direction. Okay. And became right, I guess I can like see that. Uh, the, the, the reckless ne'er-do-well adventurer. As his father says, he... Indiana Jones left just as he was becoming interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. And it's also, it's the two of them that kind of their respective obsessions with treasure hunting right. led right. to them, it led to a division between them. And then at the end of the movie, let it go. They let it go. Let it go. Saving yeah. them, each other is more important than the Holy Grail. Yeah. And I, I do like that this, uh, the MacGuffin here has more emotional weight uh, than it, than the others in the other movies. Um, yeah. I like that, you know, there, there's like Indy trying to find the, the Holy Grail is something that his dad has been trying to do. And it's like him trying to connect with his dad. 
um, and and that his dad has been has this obsession for his whole life, and I like that element a lot. I think it it adds a nice dimension to it, to the st- to the story that the others just kind of don't have because the MacGuffins and those are just very much MacGuffins, just something to keep sort of an engine of the plot going. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's as a, some stakes to the first two movies of like you can't let the bad guys get this thing because right. I mean, because you know. it, it's bad and it will it will destroy everyone yeah. or or Hitler will take over the world. I mean and. And, you know, I get that, but it just it's nice to have sort of the added emotional stuff to it, too. It it also adds an element of it gives Indiana Jones more purpose in the story, because right. if there's one flaw to Raiders of the Lost Ark is that if you take Indiana Jones out of that plot, nothing changes. The Nazis open right. the Ark. <laughs> the Ark defends itself. End of story. If anything uh, if Indiana Jones hadn't been there, they would have taken the Ark to Berlin and it would have melted Hitler too. Uh, <laughs> they open up a, a, a Jewish relic uh, and that relic gets one look at who's got it and is like, fuck no, <laughs> and just melts them all. In this one, he's not looking for the grail at first. He's looking for his father, you know, uh, he and but, you know, he's that those two things are going to converge at some yeah. point. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and it, but it's just, yeah, you're right. I mean, if uh, and the other two, I don't remember Temple of Doom all that well, but it did seem like if he took a nap, he might not, nothing really would have mattered all that. Well, presumably at some point the uh, Shankara stones would have uh, uh, had enough of Molaram and, and burned him up. But, uh, you know, he's got to, look, he's, he, the white man's got to go save all those little indian all the little kids children. you know all the it's... all the mining children but yeah this is like and this i think coming back to it this definitely feels like a response to temple of doom and that they're gonna go back to basics and kind of play it a little bit safe yeah there's some of the dark side of indiana jones in this like at one point he's very close to just choking dr schneider out uh right. you know yeah. he's stuck he's it's not like he stopped killing people it's not like Robocop. right <laughs> All, all the characters are a little broader. And you, you see that a little bit with Indy, and you see that a little bit with the villains, uh, like the Nazi uh, colonel. And you see that right. with Marcus Brody, and you see that with Sala. Like, right. Cause they, those Marcus two especially Sala, feel yeah. like they feel completely... Marcus Brody becomes C-3PO in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, in the yeah, first but... Indiana Jones, if you go back and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, Marcus Brody seems like... Oh, he's just like he was like Indiana Jones at one point, and he's just gotten a little older and retired. You know, like yeah. he says, like a few years ago, I'd have gone after the Ark myself. And yeah. Sala seems like just one of like Indy's got like buddies in every town, and Sala's this cool, <laughs> competent, you know, digger and buddy to Indiana Jones. And then in this, he's um, uh, it's he feels a little, I don't know, he's regressed perhaps a little bit in terms of uh, competence. Yeah, they just well, they both seem to have wandered out of a different movie. Like, yeah, they're both like in this this slapstick comedy that that I don't know. It like it it doesn't it feels of a piece with the rest of the movie, but it just it also feels kind of off in a way. Yeah, it's it's you don't need it. You could make them. You either don't need to have them in the movie, right? But you want to have them in there because it's we're bringing the gang back, you know. Yeah. But you could make them more comedy. What I wanted to see, especially this time around. You, the the characters that are really interesting that don't pay off are the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword, right? Like right. You, like you introduce you really build up Kazim 
as like you, if, if he's the guy from the mummy basically yeah so you kind of want him to team up with them uh, like for the final thing and then they all just kind of get killed they they take on the nazis and get wiped out yeah. and uh you no, know it, it's they, they don't really pay off in the way you would want no and that was actually something i had completely forgotten about them until this this rewatch and i was like oh yeah this is something the mummy cribbed from which cribbed from the indiana jones series yeah. liberally and but actually cribbed from this and did it better <laughs> And there's characters with like this character. in like James Bond movies. Like I think, yeah, I Timothy Dalton teamed up with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan at one point, uh, and I think Art Malik plays a character kind of like Kazim. Uh, yeah, you just you kind of wanted more of that. You wanted like one new cool character. Like in every movie, yeah. Indiana Jones should get a like a a good ally. And in this, like yeah. he doesn't have a short round. He doesn't have, uh, like the guy at the beginning of Temple of Doom, Wuhan. You know, like you, <laughs> right, you want yeah. that world to build out a little bit and you don't yeah. really get that in this and you don't get that in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull either. Uh, yeah. But, you know. uh, yeah, that's a conversation for another day, I guess. It's or not a it's good here. movie and we don't it's... like it there. I'm done. <laughs> if you if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and thought, man, I wish there was one of these that had like big prequel energy, big Star Wars prequel <laughs> energy where everything looks like a cartoon and if everything feels a little off and Harrison Ford looks bored, <laughs> there you go. And old. And very, very, yeah, very old. old. Very old. <laughs> that's the, that's the one, I think that's one of the first of the nostalgia era, bringing back the whole, bringing back your classic characters, but now they're like sad and, and miserable <laughs> and their lives are falling apart. And that one, he's like, he's been accused of being a communist and oh right all yeah, his I friends are dead and he's it. lost his job you know <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> oh god yeah what a weird movie that's a weird movie well that's one that's yeah. like, we all went into that one like we did with the prequels like where we wanted it to be good we wanted this to be so good we were like yeah lucas is writing the story but spielberg won't let anything happen no <laughs> Right out of the I, gate, I, as soon as that gopher comes out of the hole, that CGI like, oh, gopher, oh, you're we're like, done. Oh, we're done. no. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. Oh, dear. I, I feel like it's a real mistake for this type of thing to, to steer away from supernatural artifacts and things. I think doing aliens, unless you're going like a Lovecraftian route... Um, doing like the 1950s aliens just feels very strange in the Indiana Jones world. And I can't yeah. put my finger on it because I... there's nothing inherently like wrong with having aliens, but they just, the way they're presented in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as these like 1950s aliens, just, it just feels so out of place. Yeah. Like you, I mean, they went through so many different scripts I know. leading up to that, yeah. like they, and other, other artifacts and other takes on flying saucers. And I think what it, it is, is like literally every Indiana Jones movie, at least in the original trilogy is an artifact from a specific religion. You have Judaism right. with the Ark of the Covenant you have Hinduism with the Shankara stones, and then you have Christianity with the Holy Grail, the Holy fucking Grail, uh, yeah. which is kind of hard to top in terms of artifacts. Yeah. And so yeah. if you want to do Incan or Mayan or Aztec, South American cultures and their religion, I think there's a way to do it and tie it into aliens, but I think you got to use a lighter touch and be more vague yeah. about it. And th yeah. there's no ambiguity 
to uh, like <laughs> all, all of these movies basically say, oh yeah, these religious artifacts are real, and you know these gods are real. Right. That doesn't jibe with space aliens are real. This isn't the Marvel <laughs> yeah. universe where Thor's like yeah. a dude. <laughs> no, I think yeah. it. I think it could have been done, uh, but it needed to be like much more ambiguous and stay on the sort of fantasy treasure hunting track yeah and not focus so much on you know the alien skull telepathy thing it needed to maybe be a different artifact than a crystal skull or i don't know like look there's that movie's got a lot of problems uh (laughs) but i'm not i don't think i don't think that the alien thing is like in total is the thing that kills it i think it's more in the execution No, no, no. I mean, I think there's, there's, no, no, no. It's like, that's a, a whole bunch of dominoes that sort of hit along the way that compound into a bigger issue yeah. with, uh, with it. Yeah. My biggest problem with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it should just be Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah. What's this kingdom what, nonsense? It's, why did he, that's so much, hat on a hat. No, uh, my biggest issue with it is kind of a weird, like aesthetic nitpicky one. And I think I've talked to you about this before is I really hate the cinematography in that movie. It, yeah. Everything is like, the colors are all too bright. And part of it is they didn't film on locations or the locations they used, they expanded with CG. But everything right. just is like a little too bright and a little too clean. And I realized in hindsight, after I saw the movie, oh, it's Janusz Kaminski that was the cinematographer. And Kaminski is inarguably a brilliant cinematographer, but that's not his color palette. He makes Minority Report. He makes Saving Private Ryan. He makes, uh, you know, he makes blue and gray, very cold, you know, very, uh, like, you know, sort of almost documentary style films. He doesn't, he's not Douglas Slocum. And Douglas, I, I, watching this now, I think this might have been the first time I watched Last Crusade on Blu-ray. And my God, that is a gorgeous movie. Like yeah, this, it's really... Indiana Jones has the benefit of like Star Wars, where they just kept cleaning the print every few years to re- <laughs> like put it out on home video. But it is, you really like the lighting. Some of the lighting effects in this movie are just yeah. brilliant. It's it's yeah. you know, and Douglas Slocum wasn't necessarily like, he's not like a super renowned cinematographer. He did all the like Ealing comedies with Alec Guinness, like Kind Hearts and Coronets. He did. Um, uh, Ken Russell's Jesus Christ Superstar. Last Crusade was actually his last movie because he oh, wow. uh, he uh, went blind that. in one of his eyes. He lived to be 103, though. So, wow. you know, good for wow. him. But uh, really just a gorgeous movie. Yeah. No, it looks great. And I mean, and, and you know, not to make this the Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull podcast, but um, but I think the, the problem with Crystal Skull is that the, you know, Kaminsky's trying to ape Douglas Slocum. And when cinematographers exactly. try to ape other cinema- cinematographers, it just doesn't, it no. always feels weird. Especially when you, you know? could not be different as in visually yeah. from that cinematographer as those two guys are. It also shows the difference between, like, Slocum shot all three of the original movies, but it's also the difference between Last Crusade is like the, you can really see the, how beautiful it is when you can shoot on location and use natural light versus Temple of Doom is a lot of sets and it's a lot of matte paintings. It's the difference between beautiful, natural 
backgrounds and you know right. beautiful matte paintings but they're still matte paintings and i think that yeah. that's one of the things about temple of doom is it's it's just visually such a different movie than the other two and the color palette's very different too yeah i mean and i like i know that they're in like a different location and it would feel different look different anyway but it just it, it yeah it just feels like this outlier yeah the, um, the the opening credits are different it's different font from the other movies yeah you know, it's a, a different, um, yeah, it's it's a much more effects-heavy movie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and Indy kind of stumbles onto the adventure. He's not sort of, like, brought into it, like in Raiders, where the government no. sent him, sends him on this thing, you know, and and then in this one, he, in, in Last Crusade, he's hired to do something. He's, like, on the run from one other thing in Temple of Doom, and he just ends up in the... Yeah. <laughs> It's um they all all three movies start with that um the James Bond opening an unrelated adventure yeah which I think is great like you know what this trilogy is like you know what other trilogy it's like the Mario games the original three Mario games Ye you know what yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 original Mario iconic Mario two yep. good but different everything's a little different it's like all the rule all the mechanics are a different game right and then mario 3 is like mario 1 but like a little bigger and a little more colorful and you know yeah and sillier and yeah it's yeah, yeah it's like we're going we're going back to basics but with a, a bigger palette yeah totally yeah i mean this movie is not perfect also i'd say this is probably the one again i'm not when i'm when I talk about these movies i'm not talking about kingdom of the crystal skull i don't count kingdom of the crystal skull <laughs> it's so removed from it's what it's uh 19 years later i think um yeah yeah 2008 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Years. it's so yeah. far removed and i mean there's another one coming out and that's you know a, still a shorter span of time but uh <laughs> but like when i say the i'm i'm almost always just talking about the original trilogy of movies right this one definitely is the weakest villains too yeah, they're not as fun. They're not um, as memorable. You got. They're got... not as memorable, and Doctor Schneider is like they try to humanize her in a way that just it, that did not really work for me. At least this watch. Yeah, you know, giving her like some sort of shades. I appreciated them trying, but like she's such a non-entity. You know. Although I did think it was funny that that both. Uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford slept with her. Oh, I thought she, that was sort of. She a talks funny in her sleep. I didn't trust her. Why did you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, of course they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's so funny. You're like, obviously they they. I'm as, did. I'm and, as and human they're... as the next man. <laughs> I was the next man. <laughs> but yeah, like um, Donovan, he's just like, as the main villain, he doesn't quite, well, like Molaram is like a larger than life villain, but he's definitely <laughs> scary and he's definitely effective and, and Amrish Puri right. does a really good job playing him. Like he plays him real straight. Uh, and, and Belloc is kind of like Belloc and um, the three villains in the original, like there's Belloc and there's, I think his name's Tote, the, the little, Tote. the little, yeah, the little yeah. Peter Laurie guy. And then there's like yeah. a Nazi officer who's kind of, he's kind of the straight, he's like the, the Fuhrer is not a patient man. He won't, but he's, he's, very measured compared to Belloc, who is the shadowy reflection of Indiana Jones. And then you have Jones, your yeah. little Gestapo thug. And in this one, <laughs> yeah. the Nazi officer is really broad. And right. Dr. Schneider is, she's not like a fully a villain. Like her motivations are never clear. And then Donovan's just kind of a, a little milk toast. He's a little too buttoned yeah. up. 
gets a good death, and he's Julian Glover, who is a, a he's like a he's in everything. He's he's a, he's a, he's in uh, Empire Strikes Back. He's been an, an Imperial officer. He's been an Indiana Jones villain. He's been a James Bond villain, and he's been a villain on Game of Thrones. Hey, so good on you, Julian Glover. That's a that's a that's a four that's a four peat. So good job for you. Yeah, Grand Maester Pycelle on Game of Thrones. Okay, and who is he in in Empire? He's General Veers. He's the commanding the um uh ATAT on the Battle of Hoth. Okay, yeah, you, yeah, he yeah. had a All death right. scene that was cut where one of the snow speeders like does a kamikaze run into the head of the uh, AT-AT. Right. That right, is, right, uh, right. do you say AT-AT or AT-AT? I say AT-AT. I see AT. It's it's the Star Wars version of GIF versus JIF. I think JIF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said AT-AT, and I've always thought people who said it sounded silly. Yeah, so. I say AT because there's AT-ATs and ATSTs. Right. It's a, it's like, what do you call the ATSTs? Atstis? Yeah. Uh, you know what? The Empire would never say at at. They would say AT AT Walker. <laughs> the armored walkers. Yeah. Deploy the all terrain armored transports. From at at. From Kenner. <laughs> Empire Strikes uh, Back's a real good movie, you guys. That's a real good movie. It's it's uh, Temple and uh, Temple of Doom. Empire Strikes Back and Wrath of Khan are the ones filmmakers always cite when they say their next movie, the sequel's gonna be darker. It's gonna be darker and more intense and more... It's, it's, if the movie they made is, if the first movie they made is good, they say, oh, this is our empire. If the first movie they made is bad, they say, oh, this is our Wrath of Khan. Like, we're gonna right. do it right this time. <laughs> Once I want somebody to come in and be like... You know what? This is going to be our last crusade, and just and leave it at that, and like let the internet figure it out. It's, it's gonna, like it's going to meet his, going to meet his dad. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy like, Two is the last crusade of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> uh, when Will and I were first starting out, we back to back worked in a writer's room uh, for How to Train Your Dragon, where we worked with two writers who were at war with each other over whether The Last Crusade or Temple of Doom was the superior Indiana Jones sequel. And uh, if you ever wanted to derail a day of work, all you had to do was just set them off. On yeah, it would really, you could, it was like <laughs> clockwork. You couldn't stop them. All you had to do was say, man, God, that movie's, all, that movie's the best. It's almost as good as Raiders. And just imply <laughs> that it was better than the other one. And they would just go at it. And, I kind of had that in my head going into uh, this podcast because, you know, I yeah. love Last Crusade. I probably love it more than Temple of Doom, but I was I was going to be fair and balanced and measured in its, its pros and cons. But I think ultimately Temple of Doom's flaws are more egregious uh, than yeah. Last Crusade's in terms of a movie. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. And, you know, I... I Last Crusade is really helped by Connery and and Harrison Ford's chemistry and having yeah. those two together. Just like the movie, just like sings when they're together. Yeah, it, um, having those and, two guys both trying yeah. in a movie and and having yeah. like playing off of each other is really great. Like their relationship is yeah. so strong, and it it makes this work as the third movie in a trilogy. Because if we go by what Jamie yeah. Kennedy told us in Scream Three, <laughs> you got to deal with a little backstory. A little bit of the past coming back, and that's that's kind right. of what this movie does. It's you know you even learn like 
the motivation of uh, Henry Jones Sr.'s uh, obsession with the Grail. Like, his wife was sick, and she never told him. And, like, there's all these right. little moments. I watched it with the subtitles this time and kind of picked up on little yeah. nuances in dialogue that I hadn't noticed in, the, in a long time, uh, including the Wu yeah. guy had a great line in the opening sequence. Uh, the You know, the guy that goes, Woo! Woo! <laughs> <Constantly>. <laughs> The one who finds the the cross of Coronado is like, woo, woo. Uh, He says, I'm thinking about raising my dead mama dig down and put it on her bony finger. (laughs) I had the subtitles on too, and I missed that. I kid you not. It's, I have it. I I, I took a picture of the TV. It's, it's, it's Fedora (laughs) is putting the cross away and you just hear him say in the background, oh, I'm thinking about raising my dead mama dig down and put it on her bony finger. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. The the beauty of a great movie is you can watch it and discover something new every time you watch it, no matter how small. (laughs) Boy. But yeah, I I mean, Harrison Ford and, 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 and Sean Connery, they just, they just make the movie and, and, and it, it almost retroactively makes Temple of Doom not like as fun, you know? And maybe I'm just coming at this just because I saw this was the first Indiana Jones movie I saw. I've seen it the most of all of them, um, uh, you know. And maybe it is nostalgia talking, but I don't know. It just this one I think. Uh, actually, you know what trilogy I would compare this to the most of movies, not just Nintendo games from the <laughs> '80s. And it's a franchise we haven't really talked about that much. This is kind of like the Genesis trilogy from Star Trek. Oh, sure. Two, yeah. two, three. So Star Trek obviously has a Star Trek three, the search for Spock. But narratively, Star Trek two, Star Trek three, and Star Trek four are one contained little trilogy that people sort of refer to as the Genesis trilogy. And this definitely feels like the Ra- Raiders of the Wrath of Khan. Temple is Star Trek three good not great has some failings everyone's like it's you're not quite sure what they're going for it's got a lot of dark parts to it and then voyage home and last crusade they're a little broader they're a little sillier but there's a very emotionally rewarding ending to it that kind of brings the whole franchise full circle this this is not a trilogy that's serialized in any way it's not star wars it's not uh you know scream or the dark knight or any of those it's Three very self-contained movies, but this definitely feels like the ending of a trilogy or the ending of a series. You could not have a more final sequence than than uh, your lead character reconciling with his father and him and his buddies riding off into the sunset yeah, the in sunset. like yeah. the most gorgeous sunset shot that's ever been caught on camera. <laughs> like Jesus. To, to the Indiana Jones theme, like it just yeah, yeah. to the to like the most iconic uh, like a theme that is. The, the most synonymous theme with a single film character there is besides, I don't know, James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean, is there another that just that theme makes you think of a single character? Uh, maybe the Imperial March with uh, Darth Vader, but... I guess, but I still... That makes me think of, like, TIE Fighters. Right, I mean... It, like, it, I'm thinking of just, like... It's more theme... like the whole milieu of Star Wars. It, again, but, yeah. it's, you know what? Uh, 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 Superman. The Superman theme. Yeah. Yeah. John Williams. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. this is another character. Another like, who the hell are we to try and <laughs> sell you all on John Williams as a composer? He just turned ninety. He's made some of the most iconic music in cinema, but 
this is a really this trilogy does a great job. He this is one of those ones where he really is humming on creating new refrains for each film. Like this one yeah. has at least two new like bits that I think of and I can think of just this movie. There's sort of the Grail theme yeah. and the yeah. uh the Nazis have like a sort of you know I would call it the Bavarian Imperial March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I had forgotten the Grail theme. Uh, I hadn't watched this movie in a long time, so watching it uh, now, it was really cool. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, the Grail theme, I remember this. It was really fun to just watch this. I'm sure I've seen, in the last few years, I put it on, like, one day when I was cleaning the apartment or something. Right. But it is yeah. just, like, it's such a joy to sit down and watch a movie again. I didn't have my phone out, I had my like, little notepad, but, yeah. you know, I was just kind of watching it. Like, as I was like, there's not a lot to a lot of notes to take like this is just like i've seen this movie in and out so yeah only time i had something interesting was when i like wrote down you know uh, how much i like this the punch and gunshot sound effects in indiana jones because <laughs> they're cartoony in like the best possible way yeah the, he's the got those indiana real like, jones punch is awesome yeah it's so the real great. like <laughs> real meat slammer punch you know just slapping like two steaks together yeah um Oh, and, and I mean, and some of the gags are really great. Um, you know, like, uh, what I don't know. <laughs> I can't read my own, I can't read my own writing, but I was like, good gag with stomping. Um, good gag with stomping. If you know what he's talking about, message us on <laughs> podcast part three. That's the number three on Twitter. Oh, oh, it's when they're in the, um, in the library and he's smashing the thing and oh the yeah stamping like the stamping that's what it is <laughs> yeah i'd say like the humor this, a lot of the humor works in this and the scenes between him and his dad work where it falls flat is like when the characters kind of become like goofy like marcus yeah. and sala and indiana jones a little this is the this is to star wars like this is like han solo in return of the jedi where he stops he, he stops being kind of cool. It becomes a little goofy. Indiana Jones has to sometimes... Be a bit of a doofus. <laughs> feel like a bit yeah. of a fuck up compared to his dad. To, to sort yeah. of feel like he's not measuring up to his father. Yeah, it just... I mean, it, it all across the board, it just sort of feels like a more polished version of Raiders. Like, you know... Yeah. Because uh, this is... You know, if you think about it, if Raiders is the young man has something to prove as a director... Uh, then this is a, a director at the top of his game, at the height of his powers. He's like a mega producer at this point. Yeah, like right it's about just... right before he closes the door on this kind of chapter in his creative pr journey. Right, right. So it doesn't it doesn't feel not that it feels you know as as we say not that it feels like he's tired or phoning it in, but he just doesn't have as much to prove here. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. So. This is. If Raiders of the Lost Ark is winning the World Series in seven games, Last Crusade is one of those ones where they go in and they win it in four. You know, they just yeah, sweep. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's yeah. like, there's there's not, I, I'm guessing he didn't have a ton of adversity making this movie. Like, no. he, yeah, yeah. He was a huge director who had a string of either an critical and or financial successes through the 80s. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, the shit he was producing at this time, too. Like, That's true, you know, yeah. And you've got the Back to the Future movie and Gremlins, like, it's... it's yeah, just... all of, like, Joe Dante's stuff and Zemeckis' stuff. He was about yeah. to start producing, like, some of the best animated TV of the 90s right after right. this. You know, yeah, I mean, like, again, it's Spielberg. I think there's something interesting, like, about actually looking at his career and spending a little time with it, because he's not... 
no one in film school was having us watch Spielberg. We didn't go to, you know, we didn't go to USC. We went to <laughs> artsy fartsy film school. So God forbid you try to cite Spielberg as a filmmaker there. Yeah, right. But yeah. it's interesting. He's one of those directors who has become larger than life, like Hitchcock or Kubrick or someone like that, where yeah. the director as a personality is now independent from whatever films he made. Yeah, uh, yeah, his career is all, is really fascinating. Um, and when he tries to pivot, and when the pivots work, and when the pivots don't, and um, and when he tries to pivot back, and why he's trying to pivot back, and it's uh, he's he's a and it, it helps that he is such a good filmmaker. Like he understands cinema like down to his bone marrow. That, yeah. like, all of his movies are just so, like, fascinating to watch. Even the ones that aren't that good are just so fascinating to watch just on a technical level. Like, you could really argue that a lot of his films that aren't as good, like Ready Player One, that's one of the ones where it's a Spielberg-type movie that should have been done by a different director. Right. And it's when Spielberg pivots away from a Spielberg movie now that he's the most... Like, who would have... If you would have said they're making a West Side Story remake and it's Spielberg doing it, that doesn't sound right in my head. But, no. I, I mean, I'll full disclosure, I haven't seen it yet, but by all accounts, it's it feels like a relevant movie. It feels like it, yeah. it, it justifies its existence and is a compelling film in its own right. Yeah, I, um, I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen all of it, but it, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, um, wow. at least what I've seen, so. Well, that's yeah. great. You know, that's the thing. I want... And I've said this before, I want to, I want, when I go see a movie, I want to be surprised. I want it to be good. I'm always rooting for a filmmaker to find the best version of the film that they're trying to make. You know, yeah. like I, yeah. and, and Spielberg is, we, like, we as, as appreciators of film, as makers of art in a certain generation owe a debt to him the kind of things oh, you and yeah. i make we wouldn't be making if it weren't oh. for steven spielberg oh yeah i mean like you know you look at i mean not to mention everything else he's done but you look at raiders and i think you can you can easily trace a direct line from that to the mcu like oh no without question. a like, doubt almost all the the mcu movies are basically in tone raiders they're basically raiders in star wars like that's yeah. you know but. and and raiders you know people always give spielberg crap for like oh he created the mindless blockbuster when he made jaws raiders <laughs> is the the big the big action blockbuster people that complain about jaws being a mindless blockbuster have not seen the movie it's a movie about three guys on a <laughs> boat talking to each other <laughs> yeah yeah, or they yeah, or they they only remember the big shark moments. They don't remember, you know, what the movie actually is. Yeah, the biggest special yeah. effect in Jaws is Robert Shaw. Jaws is a good movie. I can't wait to talk about <laughs> Jaws 3D, so we can talk about Jaws. <laughs> oh man, well, I don't know, Sam. We've been talking about Last Crusade for about an hour now. What do you think? So, uh, any last thoughts on Last Crusade? Uh, I think I chose wisely. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yes, I, yes, absolutely. The, the, and especially coming after the run of, uh, 
Batman Forever and Dark Knight Rises. This was such a breath of fresh air. We we did not pick the we did not watch the funnest Batman movies out there. Uh, <laughs> no, but this is this movie is so much fun. And whether you're nostalgia nostalgic for whether you grew up with it or not, it's a joy to watch. It's a wonderful action movie. It's arguably the greatest blockbuster filmmaker at the top of his game. It's, you know, it's it's just great. It's so good and it went it went down so smooth. Yeah. And it is yeah. a worthy third movie. It does tie it it expands the character a bit. It it, it gives him new relationships. It puts him in new places, but it also kind of feels like the nice conclusion to a trilogy. It ties everything up in, like, at least, if not in a narrative bow, in, like, an emotional bow. You yeah. can watch the end of this movie in the same way you watch the end of, like, Return of the Jedi. I think, okay, I've, I've, I've concluded a saga. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it feels like a finale, even if, like you said, narratively, it's not a finale. Uh, no. Um, I mean, and and obviously there it created some spinoff projects like the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles and uh, and then you know some video yeah. games and novels. There's and there's not as much of an expanded universe to this as there is the Star Wars. No, I think they because tried... it all hinges on one character. I think if they had yeah. wanted to keep this going, they would have had to honestly kind of do the unthinkable and recast the part. If they'd come yeah. back in 1999 with a new actor. They might have been yeah. able to get away with it. If they'd if they'd cast a post X-Men Hugh Jackman as Indiana oh, yeah. Jones, he'd be fine. Maybe yeah. hand it to a new director. Yeah. Hand it to uh uh a, a Sam Raimi or a you know, someone like that. Someone who can bring a different energy to it. Get, create three films that kind of stand on their own. The way James yeah. they have to treat him like James Bond. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the only way that you could keep the franchise really going. And and I mean, and I think part of the problem is that Spielberg and Harrison Ford are so linked to the franchise uh, and Lucas to a certain extent, but really Harrison Ford and and Spielberg are so tied to it that I think you know the folks at Lucasfilm when they were putting together uh, uh, Crystal Skull were just like we can't. We can't separate them. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, there was a time where the character could have stood apart from the actor. But, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, un by virtue of the fact that when you think of Indiana Jones, his face is Harrison Ford's face. And right. it has been like yeah. that for 40 years now. There's really no way to get... I, I think you have to create a way to, for him to pass the torch to a new character. Right. Not Which Mutt is... Williams, but someone else. <laughs> Perhaps uh, John Cho as an adult short round, you know, whatever his real name is. You've said yeah. that before. I, I think that's such a fun idea. Yeah. Have him um, show up in the new one, and at the end he, hand, he hands it off. Like, he hands off the—, the Like, it, we don't know what short round's up to. He could have gone off and been adventuring on his own. He could be his own professor, you know, at on the West Coast yeah. at Stanford or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'd, I'd watch The Adventures of Short Round. I'd watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally. I mean, let's give him a real name. You know? Well, right. I mean, the adventures of Professor. The, the adventures of of uh, Nevada Cho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the new one. You know, James James Mangold is uh, 
you know, an interesting choice for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Logan, yeah. Logan was fantastic. I don't think I want to see the Logan for Indiana Jones. But, no. And I, I think Which would just be called smart... Henry. <laughs> I think he's a smart enough filmmaker to not do that, I think. No, I and I think he's a grounded filmmaker, too. Like, yeah. You, if you're going to give me an Indiana Jones that feels like 310 to Yuma, I'm there. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's... He's, I, I equate James Mangold, he's like the slightly more dramatic version of a Joe Johnston. Yeah, you know, I think that, like, th- yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, analogy. Because yeah. Joe Johnston makes very, you know, he makes bigger, more, you know, like, like broader action movies, but they're all very fun and pulpy and kind of have their feet on the ground, you know, yeah. even when they're not 100% successful. Right. No. Yeah. What do you think, Will? Worthy third, worthy threequel? I think so, and I, and and I, you know, I absolutely, I think all three movies. I mean, well, Raiders is like untouchable in terms of like how awesome it is, but uh, I think all three movies are worth watching for sure. Um, and uh, and I think this is a nice button, and uh, you know, Sean Connery's great, and he and Harrison Ford have just this great chemistry together. And, uh, yeah, this was just such a, a joy after the slog of The Dark Knight Rises. It was just yeah. so, you know. Um, well, speaking of slogs, uh, it's your pick this coming week, Will. It is my pick. And I'm, I'm, you're on blast, my friend, after the I last know, two. I know, you know, I've got, I've, I've got to prove something, at least to you, or at least make it up to you. So, we're gonna go back to the horror, uh, or back to horror, which will obviously be in a lot. But, uh, let's do... Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: Dream Warriors. Ooh, I like that. I remember being a good movie. So. No, I, no I, I think we're gonna be okay. I think you might you might have figured it out this time. Uh, and another character who I would say is uh, inseparable from the actor. Uh, yeah, if, absolutely. If, if I can't picture anyone else as Indiana Jones, I can't picture anyone else as Freddy Krueger than Robert Englund. And they've tried with a good actor, yes. but there's only <laughs> one Freddy. Yeah. So this should be this should be fun. Patricia Arquette, Lawrence Fishburne, and and I don't remember who else is in that. I mean, Dean Stockwell shows up, doesn't he? Or does he? Uh, not not John Saxon. I don't know. John why Saxon. I, yeah, I don't know why I said Dean Stockwell. That was that's... look. There is a world in the seventies and eighties where someone was casting a part, and they probably had headshots of <laughs> Dean Stockwell and John Saxon and Robert Forster on their wall, and it could have been any one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, no, forgive me for that brain fart. My my son woke me up at three forty five this morning, so well, it's been a long day. I'm not going to give you shit for not remembering John Saxon's in Dream Warriors. Well, we've got a whole <laughs> episode we can talk about him there. Uh, if it, if if you'd forgotten he was in Enter the Dragon, I'd be angrier. Yeah, well, that you know, or if I yeah, as Johnny Cage. Anyway, as Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage, Bruce Lee is Luke Kang, John Saxon is Johnny Cage, and Jim Kelly is Sonya Blade. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I think that tracks. <laughs> Enter the Dragon from the director of Jim Cotta, <laughs> which is Enter the Dragon, but with gymnastics. Oh, Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta is a. It's 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 a movie. <laughs> oh no no no! Will it's glorious. Jim it Cotta is, glorious. is absolutely glorious. I have never seen a less organic use of a pommel horse in an action <laughs> sequence. Oh, what a 
weird, what a weird movie. Too bad there's not a third one of those. We can't uh, talk about I don't think there's Gymkata. a second one of those. I think they said all they needed to say with the first Gymkata. Why, why dilute the brand? Well, uh, on that note, until next week when we're watching Dream Warriors, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Part 3. That's the number three. And as always, he is Will Morey. That's right. <laughs> and I am Sam Charrington. And uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Hooray! Hooray! It didn't hurt. <laughs>